Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is a Locker Room production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Red Nation. This is Jeremy Brenner talking Rockets Thunder after the Rockets so close yet so far away rockets loses one 114 112 and mike's off for today's show so it's just me solo on the locker room app so if you are here listening live and if you have a question feel free to throw it down in the chat room or if you want to come up and talk to me we'll have a voice-to-voice conversation i'm more than happy to entertain that as well you know this this team, man, just just when you think that it's it's gonna happen, it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen, and I'm you know it could have happened today, but I'll say this: watching the first half, watching this game kind of go all the way through, it didn't feel like a win. Even at the end, when it looked pretty close, and when they had a lead, you know, late in the game, they had a lead for like five seconds, and it's it's unfortunate to see how this happened. But I mean, at the end of the day, the thunder are the ones that really lose out because there are pick our chances of getting a top four pick improve and their chances of getting our pick do, uh, do not improve. So, I mean, Hey, big picture here, guys, big picture, but you know, it would have been really nice to win this game. I'm, I'm obviously very disappointed that the Rockets didn't pull this one out especially considering they had a lot of chances at the end. I definitely want to talk about the last two or three possessions and just the reason why the Rockets lost this game, you can look at it two ways. One, you can look at the offensive rebounding and the rebounding itself because the rebounding, the Thunder, I think, out-rebounded the Rockets 52-30 to this game. And it's just when you can't rebound the ball, it, it makes it really difficult to win. And the Rockets are probably the worst team at rebounding in the whole league. And then, but also take all that aside. If the Rockets can execute on, on any of those last three possessions, this game's either still going on or the Rockets are walking away the winners of this one. So I think we look at the first possession first. So they had, it was Jay Sean Tate gets this block off of Pokashevsky and the block the Vic had the ball coming up and had Vic made the right decision, he would have found Jay Sean Tate and he would have been right there and Tate would have dunked the ball, giving the Rockets a, it would have been a one point lead, right? So they had a chance there. Instead, Vic feels the need. Oh, I got to play hero ball, you know? So he pulls up and he takes this three, which, I mean, it wasn't a terrible shot, but compared to what you could have had with Jay Sean Tate, it, it wasn't the correct, it wasn't the correct basketball play. 
So he takes that shot, he misses. And OKC gets rebound, and you're like, oh, well, they could have easily had that. Rockets defense, though, I'll say this. The Rockets defense looked, for the most part, you know, decent today. Better than we've seen in most games, I'd say. And especially down the stretch as well. I really liked Jay Sean Tate's defense overall today. I thought overall the team defense does see me a little bit work. I wish they would have guarded the perimeter a little bit better tonight, but they ha- they got the stop here, which kept it a one point game or yeah, it was a one point game. And then the Rockets are basically having an, they get an opportunity to hold for the final shot. And John Wall takes the ball. And honestly, when you're down one of anyone on the Rockets, I'm glad John Wall's bringing up the ball. And, and I mean, who would you, who would you want in that situation other than John Wall on this team? Maybe Christian would, but I mean, if John Wall has an open lane, I'm not going to tell John Wall to, to not take it. The only problem was that it wasn't an open lane. It was a bit, it was a bit of a clogged lane, but John Wall thinking he is who he is, thinks he can get it done. And I, I don't doubt that John Wall can't make that bucket, but I mean, he just, Lou Dort is not the kind of guy you want to go in on. Lou Dort is, you know, we, we know Lou Dort very well. And Lou Dort is not the kind of guy that you want to go one-on-one with. Maybe you get a better matchup in there. Maybe you toss it to Vic, who was having a good game. You toss it to uh, Daniel House, who had a good game. But, you know, Hooper's hoop, and John Wall wanted the ball in his hands. And I do think there is a bit of a... I don't, it's a bit of a hubris with John Wall a little bit. And yeah, I just, he, he feels the need to be the hero for the team. And he feels like he owes, he feels like he owes something for the Rockets because that's who he was at least at one point during the season. And at one point during his career, that's who he was. So I think there's like something about him that's like, I'm the man for this team you know, down to, I need to be the one to get the bucket. I'm the captain of this team. I need to go get the bucket. And he gets blocked by Lou Dort. And, you know, props to Lou Dort on that play. That was very clearly uh, a block. It hit the rim because Lou Dort hit uh, Lou Dort hit the ball and it touched the rim. It wasn't, you know, coming on the way down. It wasn't goaltending or anything like that. It was a clean block. And... The Rockets are now down, they're down what? They're down one with six seconds to go. They get the ball back. Um, Pokashevsky splits the free throws, and they actually have a shot to win this game. And this might be the worst possession of them all. And this, look, I'm, I'm very pro Silas. I'm very pro where this team is going right now. But this, to me, is a red flag. Why... Like, what was the play that was drawn up in that huddle? I'm very curious to find out. You know, Stan asks, you know, should Wood or House have taken that last shot? Look, honestly, that shot, this is what I would have done. If Jeremy Silas here, long-lost brother of Steven Silas, had I been the coach on the sideline for that last shot, I am giving the ball to Christian Wood and posting up or at least give, giving Wood a chance to go and get fouled potentially. Because then, and, and a layup. There was no reason why down two, like if you're down three, I'm, th- that's totally fine. But they were down two. 
there's no reason why John Wall should be taking a shot three to four feet beyond the three-point line. They're, that's just absolutely – that's just not good basketball. It's not a good shot, and you're trying to, you know, not lose the game. This isn't like, oh, we have to win this game right now, especially when you have lost 20 games in a row. Like, you would think that at least overtime would maybe help in this situation. Now, the Rockets may have, you know, totally, you know, crapped the bed in overtime. But at least you got a shot if you're in overtime versus, you know, the late the late fourth quarter and you're lose. And that's what happened to the Rockets today. And that, I'm very curious as to what was said in that last timeout that the Rockets had. Because there's absolutely no way that that should have been the shot. And, you know, maybe John Wall just, you know, didn't audible and kind of went with his own thing. But to me, it's just, oh man, like this group, they really needed a win because you can tell like the Rockets on paper are better than the Thunder. They, on, on paper, this team is better than the, thun- than the Thunder. But the thing is the Rockets have been injured in and out of the lineup. You know, they haven't had a full, they, the guys that have come back recently, you know, Wall, Christian Wood, I don't know if they've really had a full rhythm together yet. I don't know if they're fully into it, even though Christian Wood actually, you know, looks pretty solid. He had 27 a game high today. But to me, I just think when it comes to this team, the you can tell that the losing streak has significantly hurt their morale. It, you can totally tell because they dropped games in which they're, they, they should win. Like, they sh- they should have won today potentially they they had a good chance to win they they should have won friday they're a better team than the detroit pistons uh, at least the team that was here on paper but when you're losing game in game out I-, I can't imagine how mentally fatigued this team is on top of the fact that they're also probably physically fatigued you know john wall supposed to get his knee scoped out at some point uh you know david nawaba was playing with that wrist and now he's probably not going to return this season you know I'm sure Christian Wood is still, you know, not 100%. I hope that he is going to get to that point. I'm starting to see the old Christian Wood, though, again. And, you know, what I when I say rhythm, I don't necessarily mean physically. I mean just the rhythm of the flow of the offense. Because I think it was just weird to me how Christian Wood had 25 points through three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, he only had two points. Like, he was almost, it was almost like Christian Wood was – not a factor on offense in that fourth quarter. And, you know, a lot of that had to do, I think, with the fact that Vic was hot and when and Vic kind of had the and, – and Daniel House as well. Both of those guys were hot in the fourth quarter, so they were taking majority of the shots. And I'm okay with that, but at least in the last possession, you have to incorporate Christian Wood in some regard because he, I think, was he, – he's one of your most efficient guys. He When he has the ball in his hands, usually things get done. And – not saying that it doesn't happen when John Wall is in the game, but just recently, Christian Wood has had a better track record of that. And that is who should have had the ball in in their hands at the end of the game. It should have been Christian Wood, not John Wall. And I think John Wall is still not fully over the fact that this season is, you know... Like, I think John Wall just feels like he is the dude for this team. And the fact of the matter is, John Wall is, you know what, 29, 30 years old? How, how old is John Wall? How, how old is he? If anyone knows in the chat, let me know. I'm going to Google it right now, though. Um, but John Wall, he's 30. So 
having like John, this is not John Wall's team. This is Christian Wood's team. This is Kevin Porter's team, and this team is not like John Wall. I think wants to be that guy, and I think that's why he feels that responsibility. But I think a good leader would be the one to recognize that this is not my team anymore, and to do what's best for the team, not necessarily what's best for John Wall, if that makes any sense. So um, I'm going to open this back up to the people that are in the room right now. If you want to come up here and talk, you're more than welcome to. If not, if you have any questions for uh, me in the in the chat, also feel free. We are The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake on SBNation.com. And Jeremy Brenner's flying solo on this Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, Diego says that John Wall is too old for his hero complex. And, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with, with John Wall at this point. He's just – he needs to take a step back and let Kevin Porter and Christian Wood take the reins. And, and look, Kevin Porter, I, I don't know how much his quad was really bothering him today. He wasn't – like, he was not likely to play yesterday. Like, it looked like he wasn't going to play today. And up until about right before tip-off, it, it didn't seem like Kevin Porter was going to play. But then last minute, he popped in. And he, did, he wasn't that much of a factor today. I think he only had like four points. Four points, five assists in just 20 minutes. Maybe he did have some kind of minutes restriction. But with Victor Oladipo out there, and to an extent with John Wall out there, he's a little bit roadblocked. And this was my concern with bringing Kevin Porter in before the trade deadline, is that or excuse me, before like the end of the G League season. Because I know there were a lot of people that were clamoring, were like, yeah, let's get let's get him up here, let's bring him to the big club. And I'm like, no, like he's gonna he's just gonna lose minutes and play backup minutes to, you know, Vic and John Wall. And that kind of seems to be what's happening now. However, with the trade deadline this week, Victor Oladipo likely getting moved, I think we'll then finally see Kevin Porter take a starting role and then will be more in his element. Cause I think having him in the starting lineup, he's way more effective that way. He's way more just involved. And with, when he comes off the bench, he's either coming off the bench and Vic's out there or John Wall's out there. And it just, it, he's a point guard. Like Kevin Porter is a point guard and he shouldn't be playing as a two guard. And at least with this current team, you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens if they bring in another point guard like uh, like Cade. Now, I'm very much – I don't want to talk about Cade too much because, you know, the the chances of the Rockets getting Cade are, are slim. They're better, obviously, than most teams, and the chances of him coming to the Rockets are far greater than him ending on, you know, any other team for that matter. It's probably the same odds as the Pistons and the Timberwolves at this point. But – I'm curious to see, like, Kevin Porter needs the ball in his hands, I think, to be most effective. And, you know, you, you see that today he wasn't, he was basically a non-factor. And you can't, you, you simply can't have your either second or third most talented person, arguably the, the most talented person on the roster, be as limited as Kevin Porter is. So I'm hoping that tomorrow we'll see more of that because, on a back-to-back, Vic's probably not going to play. And to an extent, I guess, is John Wall going to play? I know that it's it's a weird back-to-back because the Rocket they have more than 24 hours until the next game. I think, you know, right now it's about 4 o'clock 
Sunday Houston time, and they play at 8 o'clock Sunday Houston time. So it's about 28 hours. So maybe the Rockets aren't considering this a back-to-back, and maybe John and Vic will play tomorrow. But that's interesting. Like, I'm curious to see, like, how that is because John Wall usually doesn't play back-to-backs, and neither does Vic. So are they both going to play tomorrow? Is one of them going to sit? Are they both going to sit? And if that's the case, Kevin Porter's probably going to be in line for a lot of minutes. But then again, is Kevin Porter's quad okay? Is that the reason why he was not not playing as much today? Or is that the reason why he wasn't as effective in his minutes today? But I kind of want to move – if there are any more questions about today's game, today's Rockets versus Thunder game, uh, I'm going to give you guys maybe a minute longer to, to ask your questions – and before we move on to some other stuff, because there is there are other stuff in in this in this rocket sphere right now that they have to uh, discuss. So feel free to ask questions if you have them, and then we can move on to some trade talks because the Rockets are certainly going to be busy this week at the trade deadline. Um, I guess Roji is asking here, how do you feel about John Wall? You know, John Wall is going to be necessary for this team, but John, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, Roji, John Wall needs to take a step back and recognize that his role on the team is to prepare Kevin Porter to be the face of this franchise, to be the leader on offense moving forward. And same with Christian Wood. Like, this isn't John Wall's team anymore. And it used to be when the Rockets had some kind of playoff hopes this year, but that's obviously been squashed in the last 20 games. So he needs to recognize that, you know, maybe it's best that, you know, Christian Wood or Kevin Porter is in charge. And look, that's also something that Steven Silas needs to maybe take into consideration. You know, if, if that was the play that, if the play that ended the game was the play that they drew up, that's on John. Like, I, I blame Steven Silas for that just as much as John Wall. In fact, I probably blame him a little more. But I just can't imagine that as a coach, that would be the play you draw up. Uh, like, I feel like that is more likely for a player to fumble the, the play that was written up in the huddle. But, you know, I could be very wrong. I don't have any insider access to this team as to what exactly happened. I'm looking on Twitter right now, though, to see, like, what was said maybe in a press conference, post-game, or anything like that. Um, But, I mean, I'm looking right now at Steven Silas. Um, He said the final play was supposed to be a pick and roll. Which, yeah, I mean, that's probably a good play to get you in. A pick and roll with wall and wood to get you two points and tie the game. And... Yeah, that, that's what should have been the final play. That makes a lot more sense now. So, you know, it's about execution on the sideline. It's about execution on the court as well. So we're going to move into some uh, trade questions now with the trade deadline coming up this week. We are going to be doing, I think the next time that the Dream Take comes on Locker Room, it's going to be on Thursday, before and during and after the trade deadline. So we're going to do our own trade deadline show. It's either going to be in the Rockets group or it's going to be in the NBA group. We'll send out more information uh, towards the middle of the week because we're going to be talking all things NBA trade deadline, not just Rockets trades, but league-wide trades because the Rockets have, obviously, as you all know, one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest hands 
they they could trade Oladipo, they could trade House, they could trade Macklemore. They have so many different routes in which they can go, and they hold a lot of cards for this trade deadline. So it should be a very exciting trade deadline, and we're going to celebrate it here on the Dream Take and on the Locker Room app. So Stan asks, what do you think Oladipo's trade value is right now? Now, I'm sure that the, there was like this, there was this article that came about. I think it was from uh, Keith Smith and Keith Smith um, or it was, yeah, Keith Smith is an NBA writer for Yahoo. And he was talking about how Oladipo's trade value has significantly diminished in the last few days and how it's basically, you know, just two seconds at this point which I don't necessarily see that. I'm not debunking or doubting Keith Smith's sources if they were source-based. But, I mean, look, if if um, if Rafael Stone was able to get what he was able to get out of the P.J. Tucker trade package, then I'm imagining that some team will look at Victor Oladipo and say, yeah, we could use him for a couple of months. And, yeah, so... Yeah, Roji saying how trade value always goes up the day before the deadline. And look, Vic had a good game today, and he's put together some nice games the last couple of last couple of games for the Rockets. He had twenty three points today on nine of fifteen shooting, and four and he was four of eight from the three point line. So I mean, if you look at that, I mean, why would a team not want a guy like that? You know, even as even as just a depth piece. You know, on Friday, uh, Vic had nineteen points. He was kind of struggling because that was the game, you know, with Wall returning. And I think – but in, on um, on Tuesday against the Hawks, Vic also had a good game. He had 34 points on 13 of 20 shooting with four of six from three. So, look, Vic has actually played well enough to where I think a team could want him. Now, the Rockets were kind of saying how they were – there was also that source that came out that said – that the Rockets are going to try to flip Victor Oladipo and turn him into Aaron Gordon somehow, some way. And I don't doubt that that can't happen. I'm not exactly sure the willingness of Orlando to trade Aaron Gordon when he had like 30 or he had a real good game. I think it was Friday against, I think it was against Brooklyn and the, yeah, they won by eight and Aaron Gordon had 38 points. So, I'm not, I mean, look, the Magic are not in a position to contend for the playoffs right now. They're very similar to Houston where, you know, they're 14th in the East, we're 14th in the West. I don't know if the Rockets are going to be, or if the Magic are going to want to sell on Aaron Gordon. He does have another year left on his contract, so there is incentive for the Magic to keep him. But if I'm looking at this, I think the Rockets should just find the best the best offer for Vic ideally getting a, a player and a pick in return. I'd say like a first round pick and a player or just a play like, or a real, a player with a lot of upside. Um, I, I'm not, there, there's, there isn't exactly like one name that really stands out because there aren't a whole lot of um, like suitors for, there aren't a whole lot of suitors for Vic that are like well-known. You know, I think that you can make the argument for 10 teams to to be interested in Victor Oladipo because you look at the Eastern Conference and how close it is. And the Eastern Conference, like any team, I think, in the East could make the argument that getting a guy like Victor Oladipo would work. 
you know, a trade that I think makes sense for the Rockets and for the Knicks is I think if you can ask the Knicks and say, hey, um, we'll take Alec Burks, we'll take Kevin Knox, and your first-round pick this year from Dallas. I think that's enough for the Knicks to say, you know what, that's worth it for us because Burks is a free agent, Knox is out of our rotation, and it's a first-round pick that's going to be somewhere in the teens this year from Dallas. I think if I'm looking at those three trade chips, I'm saying, you know, for Victor Oladipo, that gives us a little bit more offense and not not necessarily the same drop-off on defense. I think that's a trade that the Knicks at least consider, and the Rockets should definitely consider it too. You're getting Kevin Knox, who's 21 years old, and if you make a trade for, like, Daniel House, he could slide right in. Or a Ben Mack. Like, I feel like Kevin Knox is, is a guy with enough upside to be willing to be given a shot for the next couple of months and into next season, potentially. So, for, and then you also get the extra, the first round pick. And at that point, you would have enough picks. You'd have now four first round picks. And you can, and if you don't keep that, that top pick, because it goes number five and Oklahoma City gets it, then you can package a couple of those first-round picks, the other three that you have from Milwaukee, Portland, and now Dallas, and you know package two of them to move up in the first round. So you're getting potentially the lottery guy that you asked for, and you know you're getting you're getting more. So, but I also I do think if the Rockets continue to be one of the three worst teams in the league, that their pick will end up in the top four. And if their pick ends up in the top four, then they'll have, you know, four first round picks. And on, on top of the one from it, four first round picks, if they were to do this deal with New York. So they would have the Dallas pick, their own pick. They would have Portland's pick and Milwaukee's pick. So you can have a top four pick and then you can use two of those picks to trade up or maybe all three of those picks trade up into that first round and get another guy. So you have two potentially lottery pick guys to move into next season with. And I think that's a pretty valuable package that makes sense for both the Knicks and the Rockets. And who knows, you know, if Vic is super into the whole uh, big market to help, you know, increase his music career and stuff like that, New York is certainly a place that where he can go and do that. And the Knicks might use him as the guy that could potentially link to a bigger superstar down the road. So, uh, Lucas asks here, do you think that uh, do you think that because LeBron and AD are out that the Lakers pursue Oladipo? That is also a, a, a very interesting idea. And I do think that the Rock uh, Lakers would consider Oladipo. The question is who but for who? And like they don't really have first round picks to offer uh, the Rockets. You know, if they offered Taylor Horton Tucker, I would be a little bit more like he's probably the only person for the Lakers right now that I would be intrigued by maybe Alex Crusoe, but Alex Crusoe is probably not getting traded, but the, the Lakers right now are looking to trade outside of their rotation right now. And if they do get Oladipo, I'm not sure if it actually does a whole lot for them. I, I mean, I think in the short term, it keeps them afloat, you know, and, and keeps them towards the top of the West. At least it gives them some insurance, but I don't know if Victor Oladipo really changes this team, the Lakers, if they were to acquire him. I, I don't I don't know if he's like the right fit. I think that Vic is a better fit in a place where he is 
he is a secondary or tertiary guy. And he would be long term, like for this season in in the Lakers house, but I don't know. Like I don't think that the Rockets can get a whole lot for Taylor Horton Tucker or, or for the Lakers. It'd just be Taylor Horton Tucker. And if that's the only guy you're getting, then I think the Rockets could get a better offer elsewhere. I do think that Vic's trade value amongst the rest of the league is a little bit better, I think, than people are giving him credit. Look, if Eric Bledsoe's trade market was three first-round picks, if P.J. Tucker's you know trade market was as many picks as he was able to get, I do think the Rockets will be able to get something significant out of Victor Oladipo that will help them moving forward. I trust Rafael Stone. He hasn't made, I don't think, a bad trade yet. I don't, I don't think the Victor Oladipo trade was a bad trade. I think that, you know, it might have been a little bit misguided, but I think if the Rockets can get a better haul for Vic, I think it's, I think it makes more sense for the future of the team, you know? So, but it all depends on, on what he can get out of Victor Oladipo. And I do think he will get traded by the end of the week. I do think that he is, I'm a little hesitant to say if Daniel House will get traded, if Sterling Brown will get traded, if Ben McLemore will get traded. I mean, Ben McLemore is not even in the rotation. So I, I can't imagine that a team would, you know, want Ben McLemore and, and see him as a potential, you know, I guess I wouldn't see him as like a potential guy moving forward for the Rockets, you know, I think the Lakers, though, are more likely to acquire Norman Powell. Norman Powell has had one of the surprising, surprisingly one of the best seasons this year. He's been a dark horse, and the Raptors not contending anymore. I think the Lakers are more likely to go out and try to get Norman Powell over over Victor Oladipo, but we'll have to wait and see. I think those are probably the two biggest names of anyone that can get dealt on deadline day. So keep an eye out for those names. And at this point, the Rock, I, I think Daniel House, his trade value is starting to get to the point where I'm thinking, you know what, maybe you do trade him if you can get a good deal for it. Because I think sending Daniel House away, it, it opens up more minutes for KJ Martin, for Jay Sean Tate. And those are the guys that are going to be here when the Rockets have a chance to be good again, not Daniel House. So the Rockets should, hey, call, listen to everybody. If they ask for KPJ, hang up the phone. If they ask for Christian Wood, hang up the phone. Anyone else, keep them on the line and stay listening. And I hope you stay listening to the Dream Take tomorrow night when we're live over on Facebook. We are alternating this week between Facebook and Locker Room. And we're going to change up the schedule a little bit this week. We're going to do Facebook on Monday and Wednesday's game because on Thursday we do have our deadline show, which will be here on Locker Room. So go and check that out. And then on Friday we will be back on Facebook and Saturday night we'll be back on Locker Room. So thank you so much to everyone that came into this room today on Locker Room. And thank you to everyone who's listening to this on demand you can be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast app of choice. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the dream take and dream shake SBN home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Be sure to give us a like on Facebook. If you're over there, we'll be back tomorrow night where Michael Brown will deliver another game recap. Hopefully this won't be lucky number 21, but given how the Rockets played today and given that they play a better team tomorrow, 
it's looking like that's well in the cards. But thank you so much, everyone. Again, I'm Jeremy Brenner. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. And until next time, go Rockets. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.